Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And here we are. Actually, we've been grounded, haven't we, honey? <laughs> yeah, we're not on the road at all. We can't even get out the door. We can't even get out into the driveway. Now, that's right, because it snowed this week, and we cannot get out the driveway. No, no, it? no. It's not the snow that's grounding us. I it's know. It's our two grandchildren. Wow. It is you know, absolutely amazing. I promised myself I would never forget how hard two little preschoolers were, but I did. Yeah, we've got little Zara, who's three, and little Dean, who's nine months, and their parents, our youngest son and his wife, are on vacation for how long, Linda? Eight days? Nine, nine days? days all together. Nine days, and we, we just happily agreed to take these kids, and uh, I'm telling you what, we have not come up for air. We have not made it to the grocery store. We have not. We, we just, I mean, we are in baby jail. Well, I should say that you have made it out a little bit. You had to go give a speech last night, and I thought, well, I'll just get a babysitter. But we've got one that's coughing her head off and has a little fever, and another one that just is so hard to get down, and I just thought, you know what? I'm just not going to go. Richard's going to have to cover for me. Well, we've tag teamed it a little bit. I've I've covered while you've gone on errands, and I had to go give this speech at BYU, and uh, and you and, and also one in Las Vegas. I had to go to Las Vegas and do a, a speech <laughs> there. But other than that, we have been. I, I'm still in my pajamas today. I mean, I can't even find time to get dressed. You know, how, how did we do this? When I don't we know were how we did it. It's just so much easier with older kids. But man, it's a two-man job. You moms down there are laughing out there in Radio Land, probably. And how are we doing it right now? Well, we, you know, we hope the little nine-month-old will stay having, keep having his nap till the end of the radio show. And and little Zara, who, um, you know, she's she is mesmerized by screens. That's kind of the saving grace. But at the same time, we feel guilty having her watch too much on a screen because, um, you know, her parents don't like her to do that sort of thing. Well, <laughs> She's got her own iPad, though, so, you know, and she knows how to find shows on there. What's she watching now, Dora? or? Yeah, no, she's got Dora. She uh, loves Daniel, too, but she got Dora right now, and it's 24 minutes long, so we're going to have to run up during the break and get her <laughs> another one. But just while we were trying to watch a little bit of Justice Scalia's funeral today, she put a new children's book in the toilet and she got the exercise ball and took it all the way downstairs she actually locked me in to the pantry i could not get it open i couldn't figure out how she was that strong and she had the ball there and she was pushing on the ball and i couldn't get out it was pretty funny now i should add that these wouldn't you agree linda these are two particularly energetic young preschoolers. I mean, oh, and precocious. This, this oh, Zara wow. They're super so ball. smart. She never runs down. I swear she needs less sleep than I do. Oh, definitely. But she is so fun. She is a princess. In fact, she had on a princess dress. She found um, uh, actually a dress from Tangled. And it's a Rapunzel dress, honey, of it, course. Well, down in the box. I was just going to say that. But um, anyway, she had that Rapunzel dress on. Do you think we could get that off of her to not go to church? Even for, no not even for way. church. We, um, her mom put a sweater on it. We did manage to get the crown off her head. But, we, but you know, she looked adorable in her sweater and her 
um, Rapunzel dress. But then, <laughs> while we were talking in the foyer afterwards, she got away from us and ran up and down one of the benches. And then when we went, we're out in the foyer, we looked out, and she had taken the snow shovel out because it snowed that morning. She'd taken the snow shovel out, and she was out there in her princess dress <laughs> shoveling snow onto the sidewalks. And uh, in her little shoes, she lost one of her shoes in the snow, so she was barefoot on one foot. Honestly, the the kid is unbelievable and unbelievably cute. Oh, my gosh, she's so adorable. So when we were thinking what to talk about on the radio show today, I mean, we're usually, I mean, think of the contrast, Linda. We're usually in some other place talking about other parents who we've been talking to about their children. And I'll tell you what. Talking about it's a lot easier than doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. So here we are getting our just desserts this week, stuck in our house here for eight, nine days. Well, I'm getting up at 5.30 in kids. the morning, and then Richard's been taking a turn uh, from 2 to 5 when Zara's been up coughing her head off, and I took a turn from 2 to 5, and then the baby wakes up between 5.30 and well, 6. Well, yeah, they're, they, they, it's like they're a tag team to keep us awake all night. If one's asleep, the other one's awake. <laughs> I'm just bleary-eyed here. I don't even know. When are we going to get our sleep, Linda? And this is only two kids. I know. It's crazy. But, you know, those of you who are parents out there know. And, you know, I do have to say it's our turn to babysit because of our nine children, one of them lives close enough that we could we could help there, and they're still an hour away. Well, we usually fly to their house to babysit. And, and we do, and that's and that's easier when they're in their own environment. This this little duo have been living in New York City in a four-story walk-up in about 600 square feet. And honestly, I don't know how this mom does it, how she gets those kids up and down those stairs. Uh, even the baby <laughs> can go down. He can't go up very well, but Zara's pretty good at going up those flights of stairs. But luckily, they live right across the street from the Natural History Museum in New York City, and uh, also Central Park. That's a Park. great babysitting place. And so, so Central Park Central is Park. fabulous in the summer, but in the winter, not so much. Unless it snowed like it did last a couple of weeks ago, and they had the most fun going down sleighs on the hills over at Central Park. So you know, the moms meet over in the museum. Uh, because you got to get out of the house when it's bleak outside in the winter, and I don't know how they do it. They just uh, somehow manage. Well, I think what we're what we really want to uh, think about a little with you today on the radio is how how remarkable and how singular this 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 dichotomy is between you know kids who run us ragged, kids kids who demand more of us than we can even give and and who can make our lives on a day-to-day minute-to-minute basis what you could only call miserable yet we love them so much and it's such a privilege to have the opportunity to guide them through these learning years i mean i i you know spending these last several days with a nine-month-old and watching how much he learns just just by what he looks at and what he tries to put in his mouth and what he tries to explore and so on it truly is a remarkable thing and uh, you know we have to remind ourselves that in this busy world where there's so much to do and hey we could be out making money or we could be out on a vacation or we could be out uh, exploring something new and and here we are stuck in the house but guess what the the biggest miracle and the most amazing phenomenon is not out there. It's in here. It's these little kids. And to be 
a steward, uh, even a part-time steward as a grandparent over their growth, is pretty amazing. And then when you think of the parents who, you know, sacrifice so much, honestly, I don't know if parents knew how difficult parenting is. Frankly, some of them wouldn't do it. Linda, it's like that time we, we, we once climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with all of our, with seven of our nine children, and and the last ascent to the summit was made at night, and I was trying to ask this guide, why do we have to do it at night? And he gave me a bunch of answers I didn't like, and I kept saying, no, no, what's the real reason? And he finally said, okay, I'll tell you. The reason we're going up at night is if you could see where we're going, you wouldn't go. <laughs> and I thought that's the perfect metaphor for parenting. Some some of us, when we're in the trenches, as you call it, Linda, are in the reality of raising these little babies and little toddlers, we think to ourselves, man, if I could have seen where I was going, I wouldn't have gone. <laughs> but now, looking back, I mean, you know, people say, how did you do that? And I just always say, one at a time, one at a time. One day, one at, day a time, at a time. One kid well. at a time, yeah. But, boy, the joy that we have when we see these adult kids. In fact, we had the most fun experience last week. We, After being gone for a whole month to Australia and Indonesia, we came back and we were soaked with grandchildren. We were so happy to be back. We went to a basketball game by uh, that one of our little granddaughters was in a the state final in junior high. Can you believe that? I mean, it was a state tournament, I should say, so in single elimination. So we ran out to Ogden and we got to see her play and it was so fun. I mean, she's really a good little player and it went into overtime. It was the best game of the year. Luckily, we happened to be there. And uh, she made the basket, which we thought was sure was Put them ahead by one point. We thought she's the hero. The They're going to win by one point. And then as life goes, the other team somehow scored in the last few seconds and won the game. But it was so great to see them, see their, her out there with her friends. And she's such a good defender and great on offense. I mean, really, it was so much fun. And then, well, but where you were going with that is that we, in the in the very first few days, maybe four days, we were with 15 of our grandkids, 10 in Los Angeles, and and five here in Utah. And it was, how'd you put it? We were soaked in them. Is that what you said? We were. Submerged. We were soaked with those 15, and now we're drenched with these two. Well, it was easier with those 15 because their parents were there. That's the funny thing about being a grandparent. If you're just dropping in and you know doing a little entertaining or having some fun, that's pretty pleasant. But when you're the go-to person and you're reminded of what it was like back in the day when you were parents, you know what drives me crazy, Linda, is how many older parents there are today. We've got some friends who have, have toddlers, and they're in their 50s, and I'm thinking, what? is going to happen there. I mean, is that going to make them live longer or is that going to kill them? <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll manage. My mom was 42 when my sister was born. 41 when I was born, 42 when my sister was born, first children. Yeah, but you she lived on a farm. Married they, they later. They could send you out to milk for cows. Yeah, that no right. Problem. That was hard. But 41 was older than it is now then, I think, too. That that was hard. <laughs> but my point, the point I was trying to get to is it's so hard now, but net, but then you get with these adult children and realize that they are making great contributions in the world and their little world and their part of the world 
and with raising their own children and uh, they're better parents than we are you have to admit it i mean they were oh, they my are goodness, absolutely they sure amazing are. And, you know, I just think of our oldest daughter who kind of likes to sleep in in the morning, and I have, we have a daughter-in-law, too, who has really hard to get up in the morning. And I was thinking about her this morning at, at 5 to 6 when I got up with the baby and thinking, because she's going to take these kids the last two days um, before her parents get, because we have to go speak in Texas. This, we have a crazy lifestyle. But anyway, um, she they just didn't like to get up early and boy you know what they just get up early and they just take you do care what you of have it. to do you, you do really what do. you have to do but i mean think of what that, that's what i always think of i i try to imagine what kind of a sloth person i would be i'd be a slug if i hadn't if i hadn't learned the patience the motivation the personal discipline that children teach you. I mean, we think we teach them a lot. We think we teach our kids a lot. Try to imagine, if you're a parent, what you'd be if you hadn't learned from the experience of sacrificing and trying to raise those kids. I mean, that's the refiner's fire, as you call it, Linda. It that's what makes us into is. worthy people. It is true. So we're going to take a little break here. I'm going to run up and see how Dora's doing with Zara. Dora and, uh, and Zara. see how they're doing during the break. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with a couple more pretty interesting stories. And we'll talk a little more about where we're going this next week when we get back on the road. So right back after this break. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Well, we're back, and if you missed the first half of the show, we just have to fill you in just a little. We are not on the road. We are at home with two little preschoolers and having so much fun. I mean, it is so much fun. We probably uh, hit the hard parts more than we should have, honey, because we are having so much fun. Oh, we're fun having with these so much kids. fun, and we can catch up on sleep, uh, you know, in a few days. Someday, yeah, <laughs> someday. But um, I do have to say that, you know, as hard as it is to have little kids, it also is so rewarding as they get older and they progress. You worry a lot about them as they go through and wonder if they're ever going to survive this or that or the other. We have a son who we were so worried about because he had learning disabilities that were pretty severe. And I thought, we'll never get him through high school. And he struggled and we struggled and he finally figured it out how to make it work, and he just graduated with a master's degree uh, from UPenn in positive psychology. And if you would have told me when he was a little kid that that would be if possible. He, if you said he'd have a degree, an advanced degree from an Ivy League school, we'd say, I'll, I'll take the odds on that one and bet against it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it is these kids as they grow up are so fun, and I, I know that everybody doesn't turn out like we want them to right when we want them to, but we loved our experience in uh, Los Angeles after we'd been gone for this month. We were just saying we are drenched in... Um, Grandchildren. We went down there were 10 grandchildren. There we have a son who just went on a nine-month tour with his wife and five kids of Europe, including putting their kids in school at the end of the time in September in Spain so they can learn Spanish, putting them in swim teams in Spanish, and learning chemistry they had to swim in, in Spanish. They had to, they had to swim in Spanish. Yeah. 
that was really that was hard. hard. But, you know, it really it was amazing. But they're there staying with our son who lives in Orange County in California where we stayed when we went down for this speech. And they have five kids. So there are ten kids. They're waiting for their cars to arrive from Europe. So ten kids in the same house for two and a half weeks. And uh, it was so fun to be with them and well, see and how then, they managed and then, and then the oldest the oldest of these ten grandkids, little Anna, who's 13, babysat the other nine while the two sets of parents went with us to the speech we were giving in Los Angeles. Yeah, and, and in that fact, was so fun to have them at that speech. It, she's actually 14, honey. But And we did have her on the show last week. If you would remember, we were there oh, with right. them last week when we were doing the radio show. But the point was, we after the show, the, the next night we went to... Um, a meeting and where we were speaking, but it was so fun to have those two boys of ours, grown-up adults, doing so well in the world, and their wives, who are so perfect. Listening in while we gave a speech to young parents about how to deal with preschoolers and elementary-age kids. Right, which is pretty funny, and we started talking about the family laws and how we came down to five family laws, and they each had a, a punishment or a consequence. consequence for breaking the laws and so on. And I, and I said, well, you know, we did have a family song, and we're not going to sing it, but Jonah piped up in the back and said, we'll sing it. And so he and Noah sang this dorky little family laws song. Here's these two 30-something guys, big strapping guys, singing their childhood song, and the audience loved it. <laughs> and actually, it was so amazing that actually they remembered it all those years and I thought well you know maybe some of the stuff that we did teach them stuck with them (laughs) well and that's our that's our theory and that's one of the messages of the show today is that so often parents feel like oh I'm just spinning my wheels I mean you know these kids aren't learning anything they're not paying any attention to me I keep having these family home evenings and they they don't listen we have scripture study in the morning they all fall asleep it's just I'm just getting nowhere, and then it's it's years later that you realize that you never actually waste a minute when you're trying to be a good parent. It's sinking in somewhere, and it will manifest itself sometime. You know, I love going to our kids' homes and see how they set up their homes, and they do a lot of things that we did when we were when we were young parents. They've improved but they, on a lot. But of they it. have improved on it, and they have taken the baton and run ahead in in so many cases. But you know, I love going to Jonah's house, for example. They have a actually have a home where they, they call their stationary place. Which they're not there all that often, but in Hawaii, in Maui. And we love to go there and stay with them and listen to Jonah do the devotionals in the mornings with his two kids before, his two oldest kids before they go off to school. Honestly, it is an inspiration to hear him talk to those kids about the scriptures, grill them about what they're talking about right then. And they're so responsive. They just get it. They just are amazing. Now, now Linda, here's a concern I have. I have this concern quite a lot when we're doing the hires the on the road. Um, I don't want any of you listeners to ever get the false, misled idea that, uh, oh, the Irish just have all kinds of fun with their family and everyone's doing great. And everyone's perfect, yeah, everything works happy and so on. Let me tell you what, we are just the most normal family facing the most normal and sometimes extraordinary challenges and problems, but 
that's the whole point, and that that's what I was. That, that's we're we're sort of living the microcosm of that this week, Linda, with these two little kids. The idea that the whole irony of parenting is you have problems. It's hard. You sometimes think you're the only parents that have ever had certain issues and problems. You feel lonely. You feel deserted sometimes, and and yet out of it comes this tremendous joy of parenting. And I was thinking a lot about that just this, this, since we did our last radio show during this last week. Uh, I did one. Uh, this is sometimes we have to divide and conquer. Linda and I would far rather go speak together than to do it separately. But, uh, Linda, you were rushing home to be with these little grandkids, and I stopped on the way home from L.A. and and did a large speech to a gathering uh, of of single people. Now, many of them had children, but this was a singles conference, and so none of them had a spouse, and, and we were talking about how how tough it is to be both the mom and the dad for kids, and boy, do we admire a lot of single parents who just lift up the, the burden and just manage to struggle through and and it's just wonderful to see it, but it also makes you so appreciative if you have a partner that can really be a partner in in parenting. And one thing we spoke a lot about uh, in the next speech that we gave was because it was close to Valentine's Day, was how interesting it is that you know sometimes parents think, oh well. It's a competition. Do I give my time and my attention to my spouse or to my children? It's like they're pulling me in opposite directions. But in fact, what we always find is the more... And by the way, there's little Zara yelling upstairs. Linda, do you want to get her or should I? Well, you're a good talker. Keep going. I'll, I'll keep going while you quiet her down. But the thing that we were saying is how amazing it is that the very things you do together as a parenting partnership are oftentimes the things that bring you closest together as a couple. It's just amazing. I mean, and when you think about it, I guess it shouldn't surprise us because what could bring two people closer than um, working together on a cause that they both believe in? And, and what if that cause is your children? And so, you know, we we were doing this Valentine's Day speech, and and one of the ideas or the things that we were talking about that seemed to generate the most interest was something we call a five-facet review, where we were challenging these couples to go out together on a date once a month and have a five-facet review. In other words, sit down together in a brainstorming kind of a setting over a nice meal and not have friends around, not have other people that you know, not have anything else on the agenda, but just go through the five facets of each child and say, how is our, how's Tammy, our oldest daughter, how's Tammy doing physically? How's she doing mentally? How's she doing emotionally? How's she doing socially? And how is she doing spiritually? And, and think and brainstorm about each of those five facets with that individual child and, and learn from each other. What are, what are we worried about in each of these facets? What is not coming along as well as we wish it was? What is doing well? Where, where are the gifts? Where are the aptitudes? Where are the talents of this child? Are we magnifying them? Are we doing all we can to, to, to help this child? 
And, and so we were talking about it in the context of a good parenting idea, but several of the people there said, you know, I can see where if I did that religiously, if I did that regularly once a month, how close would that draw us as marriage partners, partners in trying to work together to be the best possible resource and the best possible um, supervisors and leaders of our own children. And so my point is it turns out that the things we do, um, you know, for our children, when we work as a team, are also the very best things we can do for our life as a couple and for our romance and for our relationship with each other. So I expect Linda's going to jump back on the phone here on the show before we run out of time in a couple of minutes. But I did want to say one other thing about, uh, so we've had three speeches this last week, this Valentine's Day one, and then we had uh, the one um, that we did uh, that I had to go do by myself because Linda was occupied with these kids that we did in Las Vegas to single adults. And then last night, I had the really interesting opportunity to go down to BYU and speak to the law school and the MBA school, the business school. And, of course, these are mostly young couples, mostly with young children, (coughs) doing their best in a very busy part of their lives, trying to get their graduate degree and raise these little children and struggle financially and hope to get a good job and hope to move on. And we had such a good time talking about balance and about how critical it is that uh, that we recognize that really when we get busy in life, there's only three things that really count, three things that really matter, three things that we're stewardships of. One, of course, is our family. Two is our work, whatever our work is at that moment. And three is taking care of ourselves, being sure that we're giving ourselves the things we need physically and mentally and otherwise. And, Linda, you made it back. How'd you do it? Well, uh, she pulled out the plug in, so the battery died. Oh. (laughs) We had to get it back together again, but I think she's on little Einstein's right now, so we'll see. Oh, you'll be okay. (laughs) Um, actually, I can't believe it. It's time to go. How that hour, uh, half hour flew by, especially when I took a break there in the middle. Well, I've just been telling them all these good things about you while you've been gone. Oh, yeah, I'm so sure. I'm sure you're glad. I'm sure. Anyway, we want you to know that we love and adore grandchildren, but we especially appreciate you great parents who are out there in the trenches doing the great job and creating something more wonderful than you can imagine. We're off to Texas for another speech. We'll probably talk to you from there next week on Ayers on the Road.